0: It's the Speeway Show, an idea exchange empowering us to live well, live fully, and love deeply. And now, here's our host, Speeway.
1: Lizelle Devar singing about where you are. Welcome to the Speedway Show. The topic of our discussion today is: You are where you go. Thinking about this whole idea of where you are. I want to be everywhere you are. Says the loving, swooning, songster. But actually, guess who is always where you are? You. And that's what we're going to talk about today. For those of you who have been following the show, you might know that I was uh, not too long ago in the United Kingdom. I spent two months in London on a job swap for my employer. And so I went there and uh, there was a lawyer from our parent company who came to um, Minneapolis and traded jobs with me for two months. That was the inspiration for this show. Because let me give you some statements that I have heard people say that you may resonate with and that you might have said too. Have you ever heard someone say, you know, if I could just get a new job, then I will really apply myself and work hard. I'll be a fantastic employee. If we could just move to that new house, then everything will be better. Why? We'll have all the space. The kids can run around. We can even buy a pet. Wouldn't that be awesome? Then life will be truly grand. I've found the house, been dreaming about the house. Woo-wee! Wouldn't it be great? Or you might have heard this: if you uh, have any single friends, man, if I could just get married, then I will be truly happy. Why, look at all those married couples, see the glow on their faces, look at the shine in their eyes. I, too, could be so happy if I, if only I, could be married. You know, there was a time when I used to ask my my Heavenly Father, would it spoil some vast eternal plan if only I could sing, because I can't sing, right? We always want that which we do not have. Too often, and and then we think, if I could just have that, then I would be too. I, I I would be happy. I was appalled at one point in my life when I heard that among teenage girls, fourteen to sixteen year old girls, there were many of them who were thinking, "Oh, if only I could get pregnant." then I would be happy because I would have someone who would love me unconditionally. Isn't that awful? And But that is the reality of some children, and that is the view. If only I could have my own someone to love me, because obviously the people who are supposed to love me up until this point in my life have not demonstrated that. If only I had a pet. I would have a best friend. What a shame I'm cooped up in this apartment because then I would be truly happy. This is what so many of us think. If only I just had this, if I just had that new car, if I just had that new place, if I just had that fur coat, then I would be truly, truly happy. Most of you might know, that the failure rate of first marriages in the United States is somewhere in the neighborhood of 50%. But did you know, however, that the failure rate of second marriages is, can anybody guess? One would think it ought to be higher or lower. Let's see. One would figure it ought to be lower, right? Because um, if you get married and it doesn't work out the first time, you ought to have learned something by the time you walk into your second marriage. But actually, the failure rate of second marriages is an astounding 70%. I have not seen the studies on why that is, but I have a suspicion. I did, uh, di- I practiced divorce law for five years, and my suspicion is this. People get into that first marriage, and if it doesn't work, then they make the assumption that if I could just change my spouse, then everything would be great, and I would be, guess what? Truly happy. What a concept. Remember when I said the inspiration for this show was when I went to London? Here's why. Before I left, I had a whole lot of things that I was thinking in my mind. I was excited to go. It was going to be this great adventure. It was going to be magical. In fact, it was going to be transformational, kind of like when Jesus was out in the wilderness for 40 days and he came back ready to start his ministry. It was transformational. That's what I had in mind. I thought to myself, self, look at all this time I am going to have. It will just be me because my daughters were staying here with their dad because they were in school. I'm not going to have children to take care of. I'm not going to have a house to clean up and worry about. Matter of fact, look at all the time I'm going to have. I will work out daily. I will walk to work because in London most people walk or take the bus or take the tube or take the train, but there is a much lower number of people on a per capita basis who actually have cars and drive. So I'm going to do all of this walking, and I'm going to walk to work every day. I'm going to walk back from work every day. I'm going to be in phenomenal shape by the time I come back. And since I only have myself to feed, there will be no temptations that I cannot control. I will only buy healthy food, and guess what? I'm going to lose more weight, and by the time I get back, I'm going to have that uh, that summer beach body, and I'm going to be hot. That was my plan. I was working on two books at the time, still working on them, and I thought to myself, oh, this is fantastic, because guess what? I'm going to have time to finish at least one of those books that I'm working on. Wow, this is going to be absolutely fantastic. I was so convinced, in fact, that I had a focus group. I, I actually finished a manuscript, had a focus group for my single manuscript, and it was out of that focus group where I got a f- bunch of my friends together, and one of them was actually a professional writer. His name is Colin Nelson. He's been a guest on the show in the past, and he's published a, you know several books to his name. But I finished one of the – book. Uh, when I had the focus group, I was um, told by my friends who spared no um, comment or criticism, thank goodness, because I wanted them to be honest. But one of the things they told me was, you know, this is kind of a novel and it's kind of a manual. Decide what it's going to be, but don't combine them. So I have to break out this manuscript into two separate things, a manual and then a novel. So I figure I should at least be able to finish the manual that I'm while I'm in, in London, right? I have all these ideas that I'm going to have for this blog, this blog, this BUA show, and I'm going to make a ton of outlines. Why? I'm going to have outlines for the next 50 years if I choose to. I'm going to be able to all of the stuff that I was going to do, right? But it all boiled down to... Because I'm going to this new country, somehow I'm going to be transformed. Which gets us back to the topic of today. Where you go, that's where you are. You are. Uh, Somebody said, I think, therefore I am. Well, you go, therefore you are. And that's what I discovered. When I went to London, there was no transformation. I was the same person the whole time and life got in the way just like it always does it's true i had no kids i had no house to take care of but guess what the timetable in the united kingdom on a typical work day was quite different than here i found that i was the a lot of people got into the office at between eight and eight thirty now here i would often start working around seven i'd get up at four And I'd start working around 7, and um, my day would be well on its way. Well, in the U.K., the working day was somewhere between 8.30 and 5.30 in the afternoon. There were many people who stayed in the office later than that. And in particular, because this was a new job for me, I only had two months to get the most out of it, there was a huge learning curve. So I was actually pulling... 12 hours as a standard day every day, which meant that I was working often from 8.30 in the morning until 8.30 at night. It took me half an hour to walk home from the office, so at 8.30 at night, I'm walking home, I get home at 9, I have just enough time to do what? Grab a bite to eat and go to sleep. So all of this stuff that I intended to do, I very quickly discovered that it wasn't going to happen during the week because I was focused on work. The workout that I expected to do daily, well, that was a problem. Problem because I got the flu, so I was down for two weeks. Problem because I was jet lagged and I wasn't able to get up that much earlier in the morning to get in a good workout. Problem because I quickly discovered that actually there were no gyms that were cost effective to join because they anticipated that you'd be there permanently. So four months minimum was the requirement for one gym. So you pay four months of um, membership dues, and it was expensive. And you didn't get it back if you left after two. And by the way, ideally, you should have had a uh, bank account that you could use in order to set up your membership. So on and on and on. Finally found a gym that didn't require all that, but it was still expensive. And I walked around and I looked around, and it sure was was nothing like my lifetime fitness uh, that I attend, uh, that I go to in the Twin Cities. So I very quickly decided I wasn't gonna do that. So you can imagine what happened to this daily workout that I was gonna get, right? And you can imagine how that went because I was supposed to be in better shape when I got back. I also discovered that when you are in reasonably good shape to begin with, because I go to the gym regularly, walking doesn't do a thing for you. You can walk, I could walk all day long. And it was not going to make a hell of difference to my physical condition because my body was actually at a level where simply walking around was not going to put me in better shape. And besides, it was was winter or it was supposed to be we're getting into spring in London and so on a lot of days it rained or it was really cold and I had to take the bus. So so much for all the walking I planned to do. Only buying healthy foods and losing weight, well, here I am in another country where they have a plethora of different ethnic foods. There was a Lebanese place at the corner of my street. There was, in fact, the building that my flat, which is English for apartment, the building that my flat was in was right next to a restaurant that happened to serve excellent steaks. That was what I discovered the very first day that I showed up and had to eat there. Well, you can imagine how that went. (laughs) So people would take, We would. uh, some of us co-workers would go out to eat, and uh, there were things that just had to be tried, like, uh, you know, pigeon. I had never had a pigeon. I thought, oh, that's interesting. Let's try that. Like uh, I went to the oldest restaurant in London on the recommendation of one of my colleagues. Lovely place and there they had actually prepared a drink especially for um Kate Middleton when she came On her engagement day to that particular restaurant, it was called the Kate Middleton. Well, you got it. It was an alcoholic drink, and apparently she must have a sweet tooth because I loved it. I have a sweet tooth. I totally enjoyed that. And my logic was, well, you know, I'm only in London once. I only get to do this once. I may as well taste everything and eat everything, and boy, did I. I got to be on a first-name basis with Virgil, and you might be thinking, who is Virgil? Virgil was the guy who served at the Krispy Kreme Donut Shop at the Victoria Station right down the street from my office on my way home. Now, for those of you who are Krispy Kreme lovers, you know that Krispy Kreme Donuts at one point proliferated across the United States. There was a Krispy Kreme on every store, on every street corner, and when that hot donut sign was flashing, there were cars all around the block. Do you remember this? This was the wonder. Yes, this was the wonder of Krispy Kreme. And something was off about their business model because almost as fast as they came, they all just died. (laughs) And they all closed down, and it was just so sad for those of us. So here is this Krispy Kreme donut shop in Victoria Station, and there is Virgil with his kind, helpful face looking to help me every day. Boy, oh, boy. Did I have a good time? There was one day, I kid you not, I ate three Krispy Kreme donuts in one sitting. How I had a good time. All those ideas for my blog, all those outlines that I was going to make. Now, remember, I don't have as much time, nearly as much time as I thought I would have. But I actually did manage to make a bunch of outlines. So that was was good. I actually kind of did that. Didn't finish the book. And when I returned back to the Twin Cities, I most certainly was not transformed. you know why? Because where I went, there I was. Where you go, there you be. I was the same in the United Kingdom as I was here. I looked for opportunities to get to know the local culture, to go see stuff. So on my weekends, so I worked all day, every day, and into the evenings, and then on the weekends, I had family members who lived in the United Kingdom. I went to see my Uncle Jeffrey and his family, my mother's brother, whom I hadn't seen in years, decades. In fact, I went to see my cousin and I and his family, whom I hadn't met, and uh, his wife is named Olivia, which is the same name as my daughter's, my elder daughter's name, and I thought she was just a lovely soul. And uh, so that took up my weekends, visiting with family Being a tourist, I went to Madame de I went to the London Eye, I took the ferry trip on the Thames, I had a lovely time, but there was no transformation. So all that to say, that is what I learned. I was where I went. I am who I am, and no matter where I go, no matter how circumstances change, I am the same, and you are too. So my suggestions, stop looking for happiness outside of yourself because you are. You are who you are. Your problems are, most of them actually, if you really think about it, um, are caused by you. We are often the cause of our own misery. I heard a monk say that once, and I thought, that can't be right. And then I started thinking of all the problems and issues and scrapes that I got into. Hmm. Let me think. Um, When I was 13, I fell off my bike, and I ripped my uniform practically to shreds, and I was, you know, all kinds of injured. Why did I fall off my bike? Well, I fell off my bike because I thought it might be fun to take my hands off the handlebars and try and put my legs up. On top of the handlebars as if I was reclining, like that could have ever gone well, right? But this is the mind of a 13-year-old. Well, I was miserable, and who caused that? Oh, gee, I did. Many of us in adulthood get into situations where, you know, we feel like somebody wronged us, and what do we do? We are bitter, we are angry, and we point fingers, and we want them to just die. And what's the reality? They have run off, skippity, skippity, hippity, hop, and they're just the happiest people. They've gone about their life, sinful as they are, and they seem to be just flourishing. And here you sit, just mad. And you're miserable because you're so mad because you want God to strike him down. You know, this happens between siblings. Those of you who have multiple children know that there will be at least one day every month. Uh, every week and sometimes every day. Well, one of your kids is going to want you to do something really horrible to their sibling because they did something to me. So you might be thinking, well, how am I the cause of my own misery? Because you're the one harboring the anger and the bitterness. You're the one. A pastor once said, and I thought, and this never left my memory because I thought it was really profound. He said, bitterness and anger are like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. It's what it does to you, and you are the one who needs to change. You are the one who maybe needs to let it go, to forgive, to move on, to find your own happiness. The common denominator at work, at home, in your marriage, in your unhappy relationships, is you. Wherever you go, there you are. Jesus was once asked when the kingdom of God would come. And his response was um, that actually the kingdom of God is not something external that people are going to be able to point to. Um, and he said these striking, striking words. He said, Neither shall you say, lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. For those of you Who wants to look it up? It's in the book of Luke 17, chapter, uh, Luke 17, verse 21. The kingdom of God is within you. So don't go looking out there for that which is within you. And I would say that was very instructional for all of us. Whether what you seek is happiness, contentment, fulfillment, do not look. And don't be fooled by everybody on TV who says, low here if you just buy this car, low there if you just take this trip, low here if you just have this house, you too will have happiness because happiness comes from within you. Don't look out there for the solutions to your troubles because most of the time, I promise you, you can probably find it within you. It is not your spouse or your kids or anyone else's job to make you happy. It is your job to be content in exactly the place where you are. One of the things, if you are one of those people who pray, ask God not for the car, the house, the spouse, uh, better behaved children, uh, a better job, Ask God to grant you contentment where you are right now. Because if you don't get it right now, you're not going to get it tomorrow. You're not going to get it out there. You're not going to be any happier when you're married. Trust me, I know people who were unhappy when they were single, and they got married, and they were happy for a minute, and then they went right back to being unhappy, except now. They have a spouse to blame it on, and that's just horrible. Into every life a little rain must fall. And you might think it's actually pouring in your life, but don't assume anyone else is happier than you because they seem to be or because they have material wealth. I remember being fascinated by an interview that Britney Spears gave at the height of her success. This is when the song, um, I think it's called Baby One More Time, had come out, and she was, you know, on her way up. She was... She was getting there, man. She had sold a ton of records and she was wealthy. She's beautiful. She's, you know, in great shape. And she just seemed to have everything going for her. And one of the interesting things that she remarked on in an interview was the fact that as much as she had, by objective sort of material standards, she was wondering why she was still lonely, surrounded by all these people, known by all these people, but she was still lonely. And that for me was just a reminder that it's not what goes on out there that changes how you feel inside. If you are lonely by yourself, you're going to be lonely with a spouse. If you are lonely in your marriage, don't assume it's because you have an unhappy marriage. It may just be because that's where you are in your mind. And changing the scenery, changing the spouse, changing the kids, changing the job is not going to change what you are inside. I remember Deepak Chopra, um, who said at one point that he was talking about happiness and how to get it. And I thought it was actually quite instructive i don't necessarily subscribe to everything that he teaches but i thought he was really right about this he said most people have a and i'm not going to i'm not trying to quote him i'll just tell you in the words as i understood what he said but basically he said most people have a happiness equilibrium it's kind of like a a happiness thermostat if you will and you have a setting of happiness And uh, just like a thermostat has a standard setting, when you walk up to it, maybe it's at 60 degrees, it's at 70 degrees. But all of us have some sort of happiness equilibrium where we naturally are. And when things happen to us in life, they may cause a spike in that happiness equilibrium. So maybe you get engaged, there's a spike up. You get married, there's a spike up. You have a child, there's a spike up. Um, You get a new car, there's a spike up. You get that new job you've been wanting, there's a spike up, but... And you're going to plateau at some point at that high level of happiness for a while, but sooner or later, you're going to come down to your state of natural happiness equilibrium. He didn't call it that. That's my my term. Same thing if something bad happens to you. You lose a family member. You lose a child. You lose uh, a spouse. You lose parent, you lose a friend, you're going to have a drop from your happiness equilibrium. Uh, you lose your job. You uh, have to move, and you, even if you make the intentional decision that we're going to uh, move to a different state, it's one of the most stressful things that you can do in your professional life is move. So you're going to have a lot of stress, and it's going to cause perhaps your happiness equilibrium to plummet. But even in situations of grief where you have lost a loved one, you're going to bottom out at some point, and you're going to plateau there at that low level for a while, but then sooner or later, guess what? You come right back up to your happiness equilibrium. That's why buying things, moving, going to a different place doesn't change who you are. It doesn't change your habits. It doesn't change your fundamental view of life. It doesn't change you. And so that's the reason why you may be wondering, how come I thought that new car was going to fix all my problems and make me happy, and here I am, I'm driving in my Lexus, and I'm no happier than I was last year. Well, it's because you are where you go. So that was the lesson that I learned, and I pass it on to you, and hopefully it will cause you to give some thought to where you are, who you are, how you feel, and what it also means is whatever it is that you want, you can meditate, you can pray, you can work on breeding your own sense of happiness and contentment. Regardless of what's happening with your children, regardless of what's going on with the weather, regardless of what's going on with your family, your boss, your whomever, you can be content where you are right now. My, 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 my wife has left me. My children hate me. I am, you know, on my fourth spouse uh, because I've given everything to ambition. I've got all this money. I'm not necessarily happy. You can breed your own sense of happiness and contentment. If you want to lose weight, increase your knowledge so you can do your job better, become a more personally effective individual, the power and also the responsibility lie only within you. And so that is what I'm going to leave you, that's the thought I'm going to leave you with today. I'm hoping that this gives you a sense of hope and a fresh look at the power that lies within you. So for this week, um, this is Speedway saying go in peace and be content where you are. Thank you for joining us on The Speedway Show. Visit thespeedwayshow.com for content and other episodes. Join the fan page at facebook.com
0: slash Show. And follow Speedway on Twitter at the handle, The Speedway Show. Until next week, live well, live fully, and love deeply. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development.